Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. How are you? You well? Good to see you. Great worship. And uh, dedicated a whole bunch of children and parents today. Since it's Mother's Day, I decided I needed an expert. And I wasn't about to try this without the expert. Um, this is my wife, Danita. Would you welcome her? We've been married for 33 years. Happy Thanks. Mother's Day. Thank you. It's an honor to be here this morning and to wish all of you ladies a very happy Mother's Day. Do we have any pregnant moms in the room this morning? Any pregnant moms? Well, I think it's quite amazing that research reveals that at week 18, a baby starts to hear. Can you so believe that? Let me that? get this straight. When they were inside of you at 18 weeks, they could hear you? They start to hear. How come they didn't listen to you? I'm not sure about that, but they start to hear. By week 24, a baby becomes more sensitive to sound. And at week 25, 26, your baby will start to recognize noises and voices within the womb. And so we ask ourselves, where is the disconnect? How does this happen? Like, where's the breakdown of communication? How many times have you and I, in reference to our kids, said, they're just not listening? We don't have their, we don't have their attention. They may have heard us, but they have not listened. Thousand times. Thousand times. Thousand times, perhaps. Because, you know, listening, or actually hearing, is the process of just perceiving a noise, a sound by the ear. But listening, on the other hand, that's intentional. We consciously choose to listen. So there's a big difference. Big difference. I remember when we decided, when Ethan was about 10 or 11, to leave him at home with Emily to babysit her. What were we <clears> thinking? I don't know, but Erica was busy that night, and we needed a little help. So we said, Ethan, we really need you to watch Emily just for a while. We're going to lock all the doors. Do not unlock the doors. Don't let anybody in, and don't you go out. And so we thought he would hurt us, and he did, but he just didn't listen to us. He had watched Home Alone so many times. He just was replaying this in his mind. So he went around the house in search of all the change he could find. And he put it in a plastic bag. He called the pizza man, ordered a pizza for himself and for Emily. And when the pizza guy arrived, Ethan went to the door with a, with a bag, a change in his right hand. In the left hand, he had a shotgun. Now, thankfully, all the bullets were always kept up high. They did not know where those were. Can you imagine if that happened today? We would be arrested. <laughs> We'd be in prison for this. <laughs> Allowing our child to have a shotgun, you know. Well, another story I can remember was with Erica, and she was probably about the same age, and she wanted to have a friend over for a play date. I said, sure, Erica. She said, Mom, can I have all your old makeup? And I said, just keep it in the bathroom because, you know, we don't want this all over your bedroom. And she said, okay. And so I went up about an hour or so afterwards just to check on them, and they decided to dress up like Indians. So they had the Indian markings, and they had used the red lipstick and hot pink lipstick and all this. And they had the stripes on their arms and their legs. And they looked beautiful, but they had also decided to do a few Indian dances. And so those dances um, involved some rolling on the carpet. And so when I got up there, I saw all this, these stripes and these you know, red and, and hot pink. R ruined it all. It ruined, ruined all it. the carpet. Yeah. We just had to replace it. Just it wasn't one of my finer moments. <laughs> 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 
So Emily, on the other hand, it seems like because she was five years younger, she learned from their mistakes. She was smarter I, I think she than caught that. on. She, she not only heard, but she started to listen a little bit better. Well, child psychologists are quick to give us advice on how to get our children to listen. Um, the first thing they say to do is don't start talking until you have your child's attention. It's so important to gain that eye contact or connect with your child before you start speaking. And you'll see a lot of times parents get down on their level, gain that eye contact, maybe put their hand gently on their shoulder and then begin to speak. And this is really good because a, the brain research has found that when we feel connected to someone, we're more apt to be open to their influence. So number two, number two is don't repeat yourself. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes if you've asked a question and you don't get a response, your tendency is to just start asking or repeating the same thing again. But child psychologists will say, go back to the first step because you have not gotten their attention. Get their attention and then proceed to, to ask again. Number three, use fewer words. As parents, we often dilute our message and we lose our children's attention because we use too many words. So when given instructions, it's, it's important to just let your words be concise in just a few words. Number four, listen. And this is a big one. If you want your child to listen, you need to listen. And if you are staring at your screen or your, the, the screen of your computer or your phone while your child's trying to tell you about his or her day, you are modeling how communication is handled in your home. And so if you want your child to listen, you need to listen. So put the phone down and listen attentively, and you'll be so happy you've done this. You've created this habit when they're younger because when they're teens, it's so important to do this. So why is listening so hard? I don't know, Proverbs gives us a little glimpse about hearing, ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Proverbs 20, verse 12. You know, I think as our Heavenly Father, He must struggle just as we do as parents because He wants us not only to hear, but to listen to what He has to say to us. In Deuteronomy 6, we hear, we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this is the celebrated Shema. It's um, something that the Jewish people, even to this day, will repeat in the morning and in the evening. So Shema, say that with me. Shema. 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 Another time. Shema. Shema. Take a look at this video. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now, Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20. Ears that Shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now, that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son, and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shimon, because, she says, the Lord has Shamad, that I am unloved. 
So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27, verse 7. Shema my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful. Answer me. So asking God to Shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, If you Shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Now there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word Shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you Shema Shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So when God asks the people to Shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action, and that's the Hebrew word Shema. So it would be like God saying to us, to the Parkers, Shema, O Parkers. Know that I am the Lord, I am God in one. I am singular, there are no other gods, and you will love me, the Lord your God. And I know the strength of a nation is built on the collective obedience that stems from this personal relationship with God, this one and only God, and obedience to his commands. And if we break that down further, the strength of a family is built on the collective obedience that stems from this personal relationship with God and obedience to his commands. Let's take a look at Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Why do you suppose they didn't say impress them on adults? Why children? I think children are prime for encountering God because of their simplicity, their purity. It's like it opens them up to this realm through years many of us learn to tune out. But, you know, Jesus spoke of that childlike faith, and so we don't want to miss this opportunity. But, Kurt, what are these commands that God is speaking of that we are to impress upon our children? Yeah, let's go back to verse 6, and he talks about the commandments. And when he talks about the commandments here, we should go back because the chapter before this are the Ten Commandments. But as we, if we go forward to this context right here, he's also given them commandments about how they're to raise their children with the faith. So the context is the Ten Commandments. If you keep the Ten Commandments, and if you keep these commandments, life will go well for you. Now we all know the Big Ten. No other gods, no graven images, revere my name, honor the Sabbath, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't lie. 
we, we kind of get that. But here, these commandments are also wrapped up into this. So, so again, this is like the same sermon. This is the same day. These commandments that I give to you, they're to be, he says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. What's he saying? He's saying that these commandments that I give to you, you got to teach your kids. And this is an incredible honor, but quite frankly, it's a burden. It's not just an honor, it's your obligation. It's an overwhelming obligation from time to time that your kids have to get this. So as moms and dads, this isn't some like lofty perk that you get to do if you have time. He's saying the strength of the nation, the strength of the country, the strength of the family, the strength of the culture, everything rises and falls on whether or not we keep these commandments. And so he tells us then how to do this. How do you train your kids about God? How do you teach your kids about the Heavenly Father? Well, you talk about it when you sit along the home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. You tie them as symbols on your hands and you bind them on on your foreheads. You write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And what he's saying to us then, and what's so great about the book of Deuteronomy, is he promises that if you keep these commandments, which is like a pint-sized worth of commandments, you'll have like a swimming pool worth of blessings. So I want you to catch the blessings. Because in order to keep the commandments, there's always a price to pay. And it always comes back to us whether or not we're willing to pay the price. So the price that we have to pay are those commandments and the Big Ten. The blessings in Deuteronomy chapter 28 are enormous. Listen to the blessings out of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Here's what he says. If you listen obediently to the voice of God, that's the Shema, your God, and hardly obey the Shema, all his commandments that I command you today, God, your God, will place you on high. In other words, God wants to bless your life. So right off the bat, he says, I'll make a difference in your family. And you'll be above all the nations of the world. All these blessings will come down on you and spread out beyond you because you've responded to the voice of God, your God. Now, catch the blessings. The commandments are like a pint size, but again, the blessings are like a swimming pool. He says, um, he'll bless you in the city, he'll bless you in the country, he'll bless your children, he'll bless your crops, your livestock, your calves, your lambs, your herds, your flocks. God's blessings will be on your basket and on your bread bowl. God's blessing will be when you come in, when you go out, when you go to work, when you come home, when you go to school, when you come home, when you go to the grocery store and you come home. God will defeat your enemies who attack you. They'll come at you on one road and run away on seven roads. God will order a blessing on your barns and your workplaces. He'll bless you in the land that the God your God is giving to you. And God will form you as a people, holy to him, just as he promised you if... You keep the commandments of God, your God, and if you live the way he has shown you, and all the peoples on the earth will see you living under the name of God and hold you in respectful awe, and God will lavish on you with good things, children from your womb, offspring from your animals, crops from your land, the land that God promised your ancestors that he would give to you, and God will throw open the doors of the sky vaults and pour rain on your land on schedule. And bless the work you take in hand. You will lend to many nations, but you yourself 
won't have to take out a loan. And God will make you the head, not the tail. Who wants to be the head in this room? Nobody wants to be the tail. None of us do. And God is promising that if we keep his blessings, he will make you the head and not the tail. Never the bottom dog. Always the top dog. Say big dog. dog. Top dog. That's what you want. And diligently keep the commandments of God, your God, that I'm commanding you today. Don't swerve an inch. I like that part. Don't swerve an inch to the right or to the left from the words that I command you today by going off following and worshiping other gods. So here's the formula. It's really simple. Listening and obedience equals what? Blessings. All right, do it again. Listening plus obedience equals what? Blessings. It's blessings. And it's in your power whether or not you will listen and whether or not you will obey and receive the blessings of God. Now, some of you are going, yeah, but that's in the Old Testament. That, that's OT. That's Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will observe that Jesus quotes more from the book of Deuteronomy and from the Psalms than all the other books. As you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look down to footnotes and you will see that Jesus is quoting from the, Deuter- from the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, 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 Deuteronomy. And Jesus quotes oftentimes from this amazing book. So here's what he says in the New Testament. Not just OT, this is NT. Here we go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus, and puts them into practice, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is the Shema. I hear and I obey. I hear, and I'm going to put it into practice. Everyone who does this is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. There's still storms. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, but they don't fall because it had its foundation on the what? On the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine but doesn't obey, doesn't put them into practice, is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Yeah, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us, belong to you and I, and to our children, Erica, Ethan, Emily, Andrew, and Jeff, forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. So we are first and foremost accountable for what God has revealed to us. He doesn't want us to treat any of his words casually. He just wants us to take to heart what he has revealed to us. So I want you to think about, ladies, what God has specifically shown you in his word recently, this morning, this week. And that's what you're responsible for. That's what you're responsible for. You, you take that and you, you impress that not only on your children's heart, you get it in your heart, and then you're able to walk that out in front of them. It's so important. Deuteronomy 6 also says in verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. And we've thought a lot about this. It's like we've had this burden to make sure that we're impressing it on our kids. 
I mean, that's something that we've really tried to do in a great way, and I'm sure that we have failed. We've not done that perfectly. And as I thought about that this week, I thought, you know, there's really no better people than our own children to describe how we've tried to impress this upon our children. So would you join me in welcoming our children? This is Jeff, our son-in-law. This is Erica, our oldest. And Ethan, our son, Emily, our youngest, and her husband, Andrew. And I'm so happy and proud to be their mom. We, uh, yeah. So we decided to take a risk, to open the curtain just a little bit. And if, it di- if this didn't work, I'd be looking for a new church. But so far, it's worked <laughs> in the first two services. And... Um, we are, we are far from perfect. This is not the point. The, the point is we want to share with you some things that worked. But what was really funny last Saturday night when we were working through this, they all surfaced a bunch of things that didn't work. And um, <laughs> we're not going to share those except like, you know, like let's not mention the Matthew videos that I took with us on every vacation. Every vacation. <laughs> um, I thought it was a great idea. So let's leave the Matthew videos out. But let's talk about that, which did... Uh, stick and make an impression on you. And Emily, uh, why don't you start first for us? Sure. So something that came to my mind when he asked us this question, I remember when I was three years old, my mom started playing these CDs in our house, and they were called Seeds of Family Worship. And basically this company put straight scripture to song, and she would play these over and over every day, and we would memorize all of these verses, all of this scripture. And I had no idea what the value was then, But to this day, I'll be doing something in our house, and Andrew will hear me, and I'm singing one of these songs, and it's just a verse that we have, all of these different verses we have in our mind. So it made me think of the verse, the Bible verse in Romans, where it says, and faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the word of God. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's really powerful how they surrounded us in scripture, immersed us in his word, and it it still plays a huge role in our life today, so... So the songs and scripture stuck. That's, that's good. Jeff, you talked about environments. And um, share with what you had to say about environments because it was really healthy. Yeah, so I chose environments uh, because I grew up with a single mother who worked a lot. So she didn't necessarily have all the time in the world to pour into us, um, my brother and myself. Um, so really what she did, she was very intentional with placing us in healthy environments, which the church that I grew up was a very healthy church and very easy to get connected with. Um, it was a blessing as well because that's where she met my stepfather, um, who um, was very active and involved in that church, which led us to be more active and involved in that church as well. Um, it, was, it was just easy for me to get connected. We were at church three, four days a week, um, whether it be volunteering, part of the youth group, um, just big church. You know, it was, you know, that's where I met all my friends initially. So, you know, that led easily, not easily. It, it was easier for me to transition into middle school and high school years mm. um, when that's normally some troublesome years for some children. But um, it was a little bit easier transition for me. So I want to thank my parents specifically uh, for choosing that lifestyle for me, but mainly my mom for being that rock for my brother and myself. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Emotional, but, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, choosing that for us, and then on top of that, you know, like, 
can't make all the difference, but I want to, you know, challenge you ladies out there to do the same for your kids, you know, choose that for them and where you're putting them, where you're mm -hmm. placing them, who you're placing them around, because uh, it will make all the difference. And, mm -hmm. you know, I guarantee I would not be here today. If it wasn't. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. <laughs> So we've got some songs that were scripture. We've got the right environments. Um, Ethan, um, did anything stick? <laughs> Not much. Not no. much. All right. Well, make up something if you would, all right? No, definitely. I remember as a kid, we'd sat around the dinner table, and every night we would do the Proverbs of the day. So it was 31 days in the month, 31 Proverbs, and we would read that together. And started to hear the gospel, this word, the gospel, you know, Jesus loves you. He wants to die on the cross for your sin. You, you hear all these things as a kid, but it doesn't really make sense. It's not personalized yet. And so I hit middle school, right? And middle school is not fun. Uh, high school, you know, high school is, 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 it gets hard. I moved from Memphis to Florida. And um, during that transition in that period of life, when I started to hit challenges, my whole life I was turned told, you know, turn to Jesus, he'll meet that need. And so it was finally that opportunity that I had to turn to something. And because of the seeds that were sown from them, uh, I believe that encouraged me to turn to Jesus. And it began to become real. The scripture began to jump off the pages and uh, it began to become real in my life. But secondly, um, something I remember, my, my parents were my biggest fans. I remember uh, basketball games, uh, baseballs, soccer, concerts, these different things that I, I had. And they were always there cheering me on, signs, this and that. And uh, if something was not fair, uh, if something was, somebody was not fair to me, they would make sure to let them know, you know, the referees. <laughs> um, and Sorry. as a kid, it's like, Dad, you're embarrassing me. Like, stop, you know. But as I look back of it, of it now, uh, they cared so much, they loved so much. And as I'm growing in my walk uh, with, with God, I see my heavenly father and how much he cares for me. It was really a reflection of, of how my parents love me, is that God is my biggest fan. Um, God is your biggest fan. He cares so much about each and every one of us so much. Mm -hmm. And so the beauty of it is that was represented for my parents and how much they love me. And so I want to encourage you parents be your kids' biggest fans. Mm -hmm. uh, support them, love them, allow you to receive the love from God uh, and be the biggest fans for your kids because it definitely now uh, where I am in life, I see uh, those seeds that were sown and, and how it's made an impact in my, my walk. That's awesome. That's awesome. Erica, that's good. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us what stuck for you. Sure. Well, as I look back over my childhood, I would say the thing that stands out to me the most was watching my mom do her morning quiet time. Mm -hmm. So basically reading her Bible and praying. And it wasn't something that was sporadic, um, but it was something that was very consistent through my whole childhood and my adulthood. I knew if I woke up early and I went into her room, mm -hmm. she would be there reading her Bible and praying for all of us, for my dad, for her own journey. And that was very influential and important to me because it's something that I imitate to this day. So it taught me the value of that, but it also taught me that it was worth the cost to her and the cost to me and her time. I'm sure there's a lot of things she could have been doing with her time in those mornings, but she chose to give the first part of her day to God. Um, and that so blessed so many things. It set the tone of our home. That was uh, her source of strength. Uh, and it set the tone for her day. 
So that was very important. T tell them the Tommy Earl story real quick. Okay, so a funny story from my childhood. I think I was in second grade. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, we had an elder at our church, and he was my Sunday school uh, teacher. And he asked the question, do your parents read their Bible at home? And I guess I didn't really want to answer the question. He asked a couple times, and eventually he just called me out. And he said, Erica, do your parents read their Bible at home? And I said, well, my mom does. I've watched her. Um, for sure she does. But my dad, I've actually never seen him read the Bible. <laughs> so my dad did read the Bible. But he read it early in the morning before I woke up or maybe at night after I'd already gone to bed. But this was a very important, valuable lesson for both my parents because they realized that I was watching everything that they did and that they said and that they both needed to be doing that at home. So I just want to encourage all of you parents today, but specifically you mothers, since it's Mother's Day, that your kids are like sponges. They're soaking everything up, everything that you do and that you say. And I just want to encourage you to read the Bible at home in front of them. Let them see you. Pray with them. Include God um, in your everyday life and make that a priority because it will make a lasting impact on their life. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Andrew, you've got a great mom, a great godly mom. Tell us a story about your mother. So when I was real little, from as early as I can remember, I, I grew up in the same house, and uh, it, I remember this this Bible on the coffee table, and it was it was a green Bible, which is like the weirdest color for a Bible ever. And I'm not talking like like seafoam green or or forest green. Like it's like all I can think of is like pool table green. Like that's that was the color of the Bible, and I had my mom's name embroidered on it. It had the gold page edges, you know what I'm talking about? And that, that gold was flaking off, and the, the pages were, some of them were ripped. They were filled with writing. They were crinkled. There were stains in them. And that Bible never collected dust. Mm -hmm. And it sat on, on that coffee table in that house, and even to this day in, the, in their new home, I still see that Bible. It's, it still sits on the coffee table next to the recliner. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where my mom learned to be a parent she didn't learn it from from some guru psychologist she didn't mm -hmm. learn it from from anything but the bible and, and the example that, that her mom set and, and did the same thing when she when she was struggling with fear when she was looking to raise us when she was looking for marriage advice when she was scared of something that's where she went and that's what that that was the template that they used uh, for everything and that's what that's what i really remember about my mom and just the example that they set there has, has taught me to to go to that too. Now being, you know, we're expected parents, so it's uh, that's what it's taught me. And, and I wanna, I want my daughter to remember those things. I want her to see, you know, her mom and me doing that, and I want her to, to experience that stuff in, in the house and have those memories. So it's stamped in my mind, and the fact that you know that that book still doesn't collect dust. It's still she uses it every day, and it's still the same Bible. It's probably 20 years old now, but I just that's that's ingrained in my mind forever. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. Thank you. So many of you, um, many of you ladies may be thinking, well, my schedule is quite full. My plate is full. I don't have a lot of time for myself, much less impressing this on my children when I go down the road or when I sit down. Or, But, you know, I think God knew that. And he so encourages us with this verse out of Deuteronomy. It says, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. That's so encouraging. It's not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. And let's look at this one out of Deuteronomy 32. 
Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you, they are your life. And that says it all. These words, these commandments, they're not just idle words, they are your life. So you hold on to them. You impress them not only on your children's heart, but you get it in your heart so that you can walk it out in front of them and speak it to their lives. Ladies, I'd love to pray over you now. See if you would stand. So ladies, and while you're standing, if the prayer partners would come forward, it's so encouraging when you have a need for someone to lift you before the Lord. And so if you have a prayer concern, please come forward to be prayed for this morning. But I'd like to pray for you now. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much for your word and how it absolutely transforms the way we think. And Father, I thank you for that. And I lift these ladies, every lady here this morning, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would supernaturally allow them not only to hear, but to listen. And to put into practice what they, what they read and what they hear from your word. And Father, I pray that you would give them opportunities. You would vi- reveal ways that they can impress this upon their children. And upon those who they have the opportunity to influence. No matter how young or how old. And so Father, thank you for all of these ladies. Thank you for the moms. Thank you for the grandmoms, the aunts. Father, I'm going to ask that today that you give them your favor, your blessing. Fill them with your peace and your joy and and fill them to the fullness of your love, Father. And we just want to say that we praise you and thank you for all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Enjoy your day.